Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. What most people think. My name is Steph Norcott, this is my podcast. Thank you. I don't know if you're coming back to this podcast or you're tuning in, eh? How Brexit am I? I still think people tune in to stuff. But um, we've got a guest on this week. Thank you, uh, everybody that listened to the, the last one. And also, just before we get into this, thank you to everybody that watched the documentary, anybody that said nice things or recommended it or shared it. In the end, it was seen by just under uh, 1.3 million people. Now, you know... For somebody like me, that, that's, a, that's a decent showing. And I know that it was in no small part down to the... But I always do this at the beginning. Why do I always do this? I always start off with some like kind of like hand-wringing appeal. This is supposed to be the podcast that is against all that kind of, kind of soppy, hand-wringing shit. And here I am. But anyway, I'm in a good mood. Um, I'm uh, back off holiday. I went on holiday to a caravan park. Because obviously, once you've done a documentary about class... Uh, and defined yourself as working class. You've got to keep it real. And uh, we went to the caravan park on the Kent coast. I loved it, man. I loved it. It was the same place that I went to as a kid. I never thought that I would be the, the, the parent that did that. But I am visiting... That is what family holidays are like, aren't they? They're sort of like a, a misery inheritance. You're sort of saying, you know what? I'll pass this misery down to my kid. But in fairness, um, they've upped the game. They've upped the game. Now, I'm not going to say where I went because you lot will think, oh, is he trying to get you know money off here? I, you know, I pay my way, but it was, uh, it was nice. It was nice. At one point, we had, a, we had a bottle of rosé on ice with two fruit shoots in the ice bucket as well. And I thought, that is, what, that is what a family holiday is about, isn't it? It's about getting gently pissed. Now, I wouldn't normally drink rosé. If I was going to drink wine, it'd be red wine. Or mostly I drank beer. But good thing about rosé, it's quite a gentle daytime sort of drinking experience, isn't it? It's quite mellow. You don't want to get too fucked up, you know, to the point where you're looking at each other going with that look of, I thought you knew where the kids were. Um, I do object to one thing, which is people calling holidays in Britain a staycation. It's not, it's not a staycation, is it? It's, it's a holiday. It's still a holiday. It's not, like, it's not less good because it's in Britain. It's, Britain's got some fucking amazing places I, you know, a staycation for me is what my mum used to call uh, windowsill bay, which was meaning you had time off, but you spent it at home. Um, but yeah, it was it was a good it was a good holiday. Uh, we went to uh, we went to a, a little amusement park in Dimchurch, which hadn't changed at all. I even still think it was the same moody looking bloke on the dodgems. Um, but yeah, it was only a three day holiday, and after all the. Uh, all the business with the documentary, it was it was much needed. Today on the show, I've got a guest. Now, he's a comic called Ian Stone, who a lot of you 
will have heard on. He's been around a while. He's done loads of stuff, man. He did like, he had his own show on BT Sport. He had a show on Love Sport Radio. Um, he's uh, part of the Cutting Edge team. And he, when I started doing comedy in the early to mid noughties, people often ask like, oh, who were your <coughs> influences or people that got you into it? And they always think that you're gonna say like, you know, you know, like household names. But the truth of the matter was, was it was working with and watching guys like Ian and the way that he communicated to audiences and the style of how he did that, which we're going to get into in the podcast. But we, we had a really wide ranging chat about everything from uh, anti-Semitism to having a faith to, uh, to Boris. We had a couple of great letters, a couple of like, I think some of the best letters we've ever had. So uh, I hope you enjoy the chat of Ian coming up. Just before we get into that, a quick thank you uh, and a fuck you. Uh, thank you uh, to everybody that tweeted nice things about the documentary. I mean, I'll be honest, like it, you know, like it got good reviews before it went out. Uh, there was a couple of stinkers after it came out, but the, the audience reaction for, for me was was up there. Uh, and it was nice that, you know, when the odd pelters were coming in, there was always a, a good amount of people saying nice things. But equally, fuck you to the people that got in contact with me to tell me about bad reviews. What's all that about? What is all? I had several friends that would say to me, because well, I met up with them over the weekend after it had gone out. Um, Jeff, uh, my mate at work watched it, and I'm like, yeah, and I'm all thirsty for a little bit of praise, thinking, oh, here we go. And then like, and and he and he thought it was shit. I mean, like, if you know somebody in entertainment in any way, there's no. I mean, literally on my WhatsApp group, people send me screen grabs of, pe of people I've already blocked on Twitter just slagging me off, just saying what an awful human being I am. So, you know, if you know, just, just feel free to not fucking tell me that stuff, okay? I have now blocked so many people and muted so many people. I could be just getting slagged off on Twitter the whole time, but you know what? I don't care. I've done the equivalent of the fingers in the ear, la, 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 zero fucks to give. Anyway, enough talk about that. Let's get on with a really cool chat with Mr. Ian Stone. So, uh, we join us, we're on a laugh there. We're laughing our way into this. I've got my good friend Ian Stone on what most people think. Ian, thanks for being on the show. Pleasure, Jeff. Thank you for having me. Well, let's start, you know, as we sort of started rolling, is what, we were just talking about food. You you gave me shit about eating middle-class food. Um, no, you were talking about, We were talking about Waitrose, and I was, I was I, that's what, partly why I started doing the, the, the podcast, because I sort of, since the documentary's gone out, I'm now finding that every single one of my friends, every time I do anything vaguely middle class, points it out. Am I just going to have to live with that? I think so. I mean, yeah. I mean, in the end, but I was actually telling you what I had for breakfast, which is possibly the most middle class thing is possible to have. Tell, tell our is, listeners. They're giving me a cultural orientation of who you are. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, the, the point is there's a Waitrose near me, so that's where we shop. Right. And obviously... Or you moved to be near a Waitrose. No, 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 no. <laughs> Purely they You'd heard they one. got planning permission. No, what happened was yeah. that we, we moved in, wrote letters to the council making sure <laughs> they built one. Yeah. Um... And I had this, they, they do this granola there, which is very, very nice, but it's yeah. £4.49 for a box the size, essentially the size of a matchbox. But it's, yeah. uh, it's, it's meant to be what cavemen eat, right? On the, on the packet. It, well, on the packet, they say that this, what cavemen in the past used to do yeah. is that they had to forage. Yeah. Well, you don't have to forage. We've done the foraging for you, yeah. packaged it up, and it's £4.49 for a small Thank box. You and it's very nice. Oh, yeah, you're getting some fruit. and That's um, quite a, a radical, because obviously a caveman would first up be eating dinosaur, 
And then I don't think men ever ate dinosaurs. They say that. I think we all know deep down that they did. I don't need to see evidence of things. I would have thought a dinosaur would have been a bit chewy. I'll be honest with you. It doesn't look great. Tough meat. It doesn't look great, does it? I often think like you know you see these like Jurassic Park films and the CGI is so evolved now, but it still looks weird. But then I've started thinking maybe dinosaurs looked weird. Well, we have no maybe idea. They, maybe what... they looked a bit uncanny valley. I mean, the thing is, what they've what they've got is the bones, right? They've got the bones. This is not yeah. where I was expecting this. Uh, no, to we're, to we're go. in. We're rolling. We've got the bones, yeah. but they don't really know what it looked like on the outside. Whether they yeah. were furry, what colour they were, yeah, yeah. they have no idea. So, or how they sound as well. Like a lot of these yeah. these documentaries will just go. This is the mating call. Of the Anglia sort of, you go, you don't know that. Okay. Well, in, in Jurassic Park, in the first Jurassic Park, yeah. didn't he get the thing where he blew, he blew the, the he, he blew in the sort of bone or whatever it yes, was. Yes, yeah, like and, and all the raptors, pipe. That, <laughs> all the raptors turned up. So that would suggest maybe they sound like that. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, his loyal gang of raptors. <laughs> well, this is where you join us for me and Ian Stone. This is kind of the conversation we would have had on the comedy circuit or in various uh, states at nightclubs. Uh, all across London, um, but yes. you know, I just wanted to get you on the show because obviously you were one of the first people that that I saw doing uh, political type comedy and stuff. And I think really one, one thing, yeah, yeah, because you got to remember, like in in that kind of genre mid naughty circuit, it was very much everyone wanted to survive, didn't they? And they were they were tough rooms, or you had to sort of earn your keep. So people didn't take many risks, but you was always turning it over. But the thing I've always noticed is that you talk about it in in like such an accessible way. Is that like a conscious thing or I, I don't think I've ever been particularly ideological. That's yeah. the truth of it, which is why I'm here. Because yes. there'll be plenty of people, I imagine, who would object yeah. to some of your political standpoints and who would actually be quite angry about them, I yes. guess. Yes, there are some. Whereas I've never felt that way. Yeah. I, mean, I mean, like I say, I'd, I'd listen to some of the things you'd say and i think, you're wrong. Yeah. But you take me to good night spots, yes. so I'm okay with that. My personality <laughs> buys me some sort of tokens. That but... But I, I like to talk about this stuff. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm, I think I'm quite easily swayed, to mm. be honest with you. I don't have okay. any particularly firm convictions. Well, we've got no room for it now. You could walk out of here pro-Brexit, <laughs> is what we're saying. Uh, no, no, no. We'd have to take longer okay, than that. Okay, so there, there is a line. But I, I think that, that, you know, a lot of political comedy is quite sort of high status, isn't it? It's kind of blokes, you know, usually blokes, standing up there, you know, adopting some kind of sort of soothsayy type uh sometimes people call it preaching sometimes and I, I think that kind of comedy can be excellent you know mark but thomas I, yeah yeah jeremy like, hardy mark Steele a little bit it's got to go with your personality and i sort of thought <sighs> watching you is like they were, everyone in the room would, would be able to get what you were talking about you would i don't know if you did it consciously and you still do it is you break down the language so that these ideas are, you know, something everybody can get skin in the game on. I think there's something in there. I have, I have people come up to me quite regularly yeah. saying, well, I, you weren't, you know, if you're talking about Brexit, for example, you weren't having a go at Brexiteers no. or anything. You were just saying, listen, everyone's entitled to their opinions and here's what I think, but I'm not ramming it down people's throat. Because yeah. I don't think it's my place to ram it down people's throat. I think it's my place to get laughs. Yeah. And, but, but if I'm going to talk about stuff that's in the news... Well then, Brexit is in the news yeah, and yeah. politics is in the news. That's especially, what, but I mean, not just the last four years. 
it's been, you know, we had the Iraq war. There was a lot yeah. of stuff that's went on, yeah. 9-11, so, which does seem like quite a long time ago. But you were talking about politics in that weird sort of mid-noughties bit where, that you know, it all felt like it had got a bit apolitical in the Blair years. We just trusted that Tony was going to do it. And, and even though people had... The big issue was, like you say, Iraq. But outside of that, there weren't the big ticket items that we argue about today. And I was still talking about it in Jonglers and in those gigs. Yeah. Yeah, because it's what I was interested in. Yeah. And by that point, I was at the point as a stand-up where I was confident enough to think, well, they can come to me yeah. a little bit. And it makes you stand out. Even if the odd inflatable cock was being thrown across the stage. <laughs> <laughs> even if. Yeah. But oddly that enough... That was Alistair Campbell. As, uh, I, if, even if that sort of vibe, there yeah. were hen parties and stag do's, I felt like... I had enough of an everyman persona yeah. to, to, to talk to them about stuff that's happening. And, and most of the time, they were vaguely interested. And if they weren't, you got the sense yeah. soon enough and I could move on to other stuff. Well, that, I suppose, is the difference now, is that there's a lot of comics that want to kind of carve a niche, a USP and, and a voice, and they don't really want to deviate from that line. Whereas to survive and earn a living then, you had to be willing to kind of drop drop one thing and completely do something else to get through the gig. But I think... Yeah, but I didn't feel that way. Yeah. I, I just thought, you know what, I'm going to talk about what I want to talk about. Yeah. I mean, in the end, you do have to give a little bit, don't yeah. you? But, no, I just thought, uh, they're grown up enough, they're just people like everybody else, yeah. and I'm sure they're interested, just like everybody else is interested. I think people used to dumb down too much at Jonglers. I used to yeah, watch no, them go right, on yeah. and go, I'll do my Jonglers set, and I used yeah. to look at them like, what... I suppose that's the thing that we, it's hard for a modern audience to remember now, is that we've got these big-ticket sort of ideological debates between left and right, Corbynism and the centre-left, Tories, uh, the Brexit party, and Brexit itself. But, but other stories used to just feel bigger then. That, that's the difference, isn't it? Whether it's cash for questions or things like that. Oh, yeah. Cash for questions, yeah. Uh, MPs expenses. I mean, MPs expenses is one of those kind of like forgotten kind of prequel type things that in a way probably sowed some of the seeds of the Brexit vote. It was probably the first time that there was open contempt for what, you know, politics stood for. A lefty guy that I know, an actor, who I see once in a while uh, in North London where I live, he says the first time he felt that politics felt in contempt yeah. was when uh, Tony Blair lied to Parliament about yes. about Iraq. It is what he said. Now, yeah. I'm not, you know, whatever the ins and outs of that, maybe there was something in that. Maybe yeah. there was a certain lack of trust after that. But MPs' expenses definitely tip people over the edge a little bit. Because yeah. you're going, a duck house. We all remember the duck house. And also, it was one of those ones that perhaps ended up being more of a problem for the Labour Party, even though probably the, I think their MPs were less culpable. But one they went to jail, didn't they? Would, but they were the ones that weren't supposed to do it, weren't they? It's almost like the same in a way with anti-Semitism. Like, you're supposed to be the not racist ones. Yeah. Yeah, you're supposed to be the not on the take ones, and I think that that was maybe the first shot across the bows for the kind of Blairite type brand of the Labour Party that you know they, they weren't all that they seemed to be. I mean, that's possibly true. I mean, interesting enough, when I thought when I was talking about MPs' expenses, I had a slightly different take to most people. Was I thought yeah. the MP should have been paid more. Oh, I, I still felt do. that they yeah, yeah. should have been paid more. And what happened was, as I understand it, that Margaret Thatcher couldn't get a massive pay rise through for MPs. Yeah, yeah. So she sort of quietly said to him, look, just claim as many expenses yeah. as you possibly can. No one's going to uh, pay much attention to it. Yeah. 
and that's what happened. And then people did start paying attention to it. And you go, hang on a minute, you can't be doing this. Well, it's one. I think that the, the, the left, they have a. The thing about toffs, right, and posh people is that the, the brand of their politics is that they may or may not be the right people to run the economy. Some people would, would, would grudgingly give them that. But you sort of expect them to act selfishly. That, that is, that's on message, on brand behaviour. Whereas, you know, a Labour MP, I can't remember who the guy was that went to prison. Who was that? I thought it was a woman. Was it Moran? Didn't she go to prison? I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I thought there was a couple who went. Yeah. One a couple went to prison. A couple went to prison. <laughs> Can we have prison. a cell together, Couples please? <laughs> Keep the noise down. <laughs> that sounds like an ITV2 form of way to happen, doesn't it? Um, cellmates. Yeah. <laughs> Couples prison. Well, it could be a kind of one that runs in between Love Island, where ITV2 <laughs> suddenly decide to go, we can't not have a show like this on air. Couples prison. <laughs> Who will be the bitch? Anyway. Yeah. Anyway. Um... Yeah, I think you're right that maybe the left suffers a little bit more with that, that when they fiddle their expenses or, like yeah. you say, the anti-Semitism or anything else, maybe they're being held to a higher standard. Yeah. I don't know. As a lot of Jewish people think Israel is held to a higher standard than all the Arab countries surrounding them. And there probably is some argument to say that that is the case. But, um, it, yeah, it, it, it certainly felt like the start of something, that people just trusted our MPs less. Yeah. I mean, it sort of went to state agents and then MPs. Well, journalists as well. There was the phone hacking and all that sort of stuff was happening. That so didn't it, help, did it? The great, it's almost like, you know the show The Wire, where they kind of pinpoint the real power structures in society? Do you know, I've never seen The Wire. It is. It, I mean, do you know what? It's very rare that a TV programme, you, you come out of it feeling smarter. I mean, obviously, my documentary, I think that, that was an incredibly <laughs> weighty time. My kids, yeah. after I watched it, my kids have said, Daddy, you feel different. You seem like yeah. you know stuff that you didn't know before. No, I did. I've had. A I said I watched Love Island. A lot of people were in touch. They didn't want to get in touch publicly, but Stephen <laughs> Stephen Fry did say to me, just, <laughs> "He just said I've never looked at it like that." <laughs> yeah, but you you touched on um, anti-Semitism there. I mean, you were. I mean, you you've been a, a Labour sort of supporter. You've been kind of notable in that respect from time to time. You know you. Helps him out one or two gags off the record, possibly. Yes, maybe. Ed but Miliband. Ed Miliband. Uh, mainly, but also... He murdered it. Yeah, oh, <laughs> did he? Yeah, that's what I... Whenever I say it on yeah. stage, I have to say, listen, before you judge me, it was the delivery rather than the material. Yeah, no, I would say that. Um, so. But he was very good in a small room, by the way, Ed. Yeah. Very good. <laughs> no, no, in a, in a, in I mean, a 200 seat... you said that seater. about a comedian. I know. Like, oh, but, he's great at no, a new material. You know what, you, uh, yeah. Do you ever see Queen live? No, I no. saw Queen live, right? And the thing about, and Roger Taylor used to say this about Freddie yeah. Mercury, is he could reach the back of a stadium. Freddie yes. could reach Bono the back of a stadium. As well, yeah. Bono can do that as well. Ed can't reach the front of the stalls. <laughs> <laughs> and that was the problem. You know that there's that classic uh, tweet that, that Cameron said, uh, that said a vote for Ed Miliband's a vote for chaos yes, and all this yeah. stuff. I get that on one level, given that it has been a tumultuous period. On the other hand, the fact that the geezer has thrown himself into podcasting doesn't necessarily make me think we missed out on the next great Prime Minister. Well, you I reckon he probably you know, would have been better than Theresa May or, or you know, Boris, right? Yes. Is all I would think, or possibly Cameron as well. But that time has passed. Yeah. If a Jewish bloke eats a bacon sandwich in public, what's he going to expect? Eh? Well, now he'd be attacked by Labour supporters, <laughs> but not nothing to do with the bacon sandwich. This, Just yeah, for the, being a Jew. The anti-Semitism <laughs> thing. Well, you, uh, were, you were like an early... Because I remember on Facebook, every, like, a lot of the comedians were pro-Corbyn, like quite vehemently pro-Corbyn, and you were an early adopter of this bloke might be a bit of a 
you know, a bit of a disappointment. Not because of the anti-Semitism. No, no, it's nothing to do with that. I just thought that if you're just preaching to the converted, is that going to be enough to get you in power? And I thought power is, is, to be honest, it's everything. Because in order to enact these radical policies, you have to be in government. It's no good shouting from the sidelines. And I used to keep saying it, I used to argue with Francesca Martinez and Mark Hurst and various comics who were very pro-Corbyn. And we used to get in quite big rounds to the point where I used to have to check out yeah. from Facebook because I thought if I stay on here, I'm just get, I used to time myself out arguing about it. Then the anti-Semitism came along and that was a separate issue. Um, Didn't help. No. I mean, if you were wavering, the fact that it's... A... Well, I, I, you know what? I don't know what the actual truth of it all is. It certainly seems to be more of it about. I'm certainly getting more stick. I got some stick at a gig up the creek about six months ago um, and and but people again people hear that were, were they a Labour Party member and I just think it's gone beyond that now it's not yeah, really yeah. the point I think that to whatever he's allowed that thing to foster mm. like I say I'm not going to take um, self-righteous uh, lectures from the Daily Mail you know, I'm really not. You're sorry, your grandfather owner was a friend of Hitler or whatever it was, yeah. right? So I'm not listening to them, but there is a problem. There yeah. is a problem and I've seen it I've seen it and I've and I've personally had it of mm. people and 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 I did a I was telling you before we went on, yeah. I went and did a little private do for a for a, a Jewish middle class family down mm. in North London. They I've got this joke. Yeah. Right. I talk about the fact that Tony Blair has been asking for a second referendum and on the one hand I agree with him but on the other hand he is a bit of a war criminal yeah. but I've been saying just because someone is a war criminal does that mean we should discount any other good ideas they might have I said yeah. if Hitler had very good environmental policies would yeah. be like look, I know he's got a thing about the Jews but look how, <laughs> small, his, look at, look how small his carbon footprint is right? <laughs> and then I said yeah. and they laughed yeah. and then I said not Hitler Jeremy Corbyn right oh, is what I said yeah, yeah. now that gets a big laugh in a club and also an ooh. Yeah. In a setting with 40 or 50 middle class Jewish people, all it got was silence. Just sadness. Just silence yeah. and, and no anger. Right. Anger at him and mm. about what he's done. Yeah. They are scared. Whether they are right to be scared, I don't think you people who are outside the community can really judge that. They Their perception yeah, yeah. is that there is a rise in anti Semitism and, and, and they blame. Jeremy Corbyn yeah. and, and, the, and the left of the Labour Party for that they do and so it was interesting to me that I could do a joke which referenced Hitler and they all laughed <laughs> Jeremy Corbyn <laughs> Okay, just uh, stepping in to chat with Ian Stone. As I record this, uh, I'm up in Edinburgh from the 12th to the 25th of August. That is next week. That's Monday of next week as things stand. So tickets are already selling well for that. I would say that there are a number of dates, uh, which I've already tweeted about, where um, you, you probably want to get your skates on. There's already a few of them that are 80% sold. And Edinburgh being what it is, uh, those will sell out but I'm looking forward to it you know I called it a work in progress thing but the the show's been developing nicely so this is kind of reasonably close to what the tour show will be and it's only nine quid so if you are up in Edinburgh um, come along and say hello you know just just let give let's have a few fucking allies up there also on that note I'm uh, doing Richard Herring's uh, podcast on the 13th of August in Edinburgh now don't 
please help me out. If you're in Edinburgh, please come to that. Because they're all... You know what these fucking people at this fringe are like? You know, they're looking for evidence that this whole right-wing comedy thing doesn't work. And if it's just me, Richard, and two fucking schemies from Leaf sitting there, it's not going to... It's not going to play out well. So it would be good to have some allies uh, in the room. It should be fun to talk to uh, Richard Herring then. That's on the 13th of August. And like I say, for all ticket details, check out my Twitter. Okay, let's get back to the chat with Ian. And I can I can talk to middle-aged, middle-class Jews. Because yeah. I am yes. a middle-aged, middle-class Jew. But I'm not... I'm not a part of the community in the same way they are. I don't mm. go to synagogue. I don't yeah. have... I haven't been to... Um, don't support Tottenham. I don't support Tottenham. I don't. <laughs> I don't. I <laughs> No, I don't. Uh, I'm a traitor yeah, to yeah, my yeah. race, in yeah. fact. But I don't... I haven't been to synagogue for about 35 years. Yeah. Um, the last time I went, actually, I'll tell you this story, yeah. me and my mate Simon got stoned, and it was, uh, it was the Day of Atonement, which is... Do you know about this? <laughs> it's the most... Know. It's the holiest day <laughs> in the Jewish calendar, yeah. and uh, you're not meant to eat or drink. Yeah. Um... And obviously, being stoned doesn't help. To be honest with you, if you're, you know, you there. <laughs> yeah. And we, and the other thing you're not allowed to wear, you're not allowed to wear leather shoes. All right. It goes back to biblical times. Yeah. I guess leather shoes were the most comfortable shoes at the time. I guess they, yeah. they're meant to suffer. You're meant to atone for the sins of the Jews. I was in there, yeah. um, and and there was a man next to us wearing um, furry slippers. <laughs> yeah. And I said to my mate, "Look, look, it's Honey Monster," and we got thrown out because we were laughing too much. And I thought I shouldn't be here. I shouldn't yes. be here. This is disrespectful. And I haven't been back since, except for weddings and funerals. Is that was it a part of your life? Then was sort of oh before yeah thing? when I was a kid yeah yeah yeah, yeah right into it. Right into up to my mitzvah. Yeah. Up to when I was thirteen, and I became a man, and I yeah. looked around. I thought, nah. Well, I didn't. I still went, but I never yeah. really, I never really understood. We're just standing there saying, "God, well done, God. You've done great, God. God, you're brilliant." For like an hour and a half, in another language, yeah. in Hebrew, and I just thought, I don't. I'm not sure. I really feel this. That's all. Do you know what's funny about that? And this is going to... I have to use a stereotype there, but you, you just use like a beautifully sort of Jewish way of describing why you don't want to be a Jew. <laughs> no, no, but that's like the, the actual description of it. I yeah. get Why that. are we doing this? Why? Oi, yeah. what am I doing here? No, but the point yeah. is that, that, that Judaism is one of those religions, I'm not sure yeah. there's any others, where you can be a cultural Jew. I do not believe in God, right? Yeah. Do not have any belief in God. Um, but... I'm Jewish. I don't see, and I know, yeah. and I've and I've spoken to rabbis who will say that is perfectly acceptable in the to be a cultural Jew to yeah. believe in in to not believe in any of the religious stuff, but to still have the Jewish thing. Because I, like you I say, would say I that, that I am way. culturally a Christian in that respect. Can, you, can you be a cultural yeah, Christian? But everything you're saying is how I feel. I do believe in God in a, in a very loose sort of like yeah, yeah. woolly way, but. Um, but yeah, I, you know, at, at key times, that is what I will look to and turn to the, the, the formal application of it. But I, oh. I have no doubt if I'd have been born in, you know, Iran, I'd have been a Muslim, I would have attached myself to the most... So it's not that I'm saying that Christianity is in any way authoritative in that respect. It's just that that was the culture that I grew up in, that I have a, a faint sense of belief. And, you know, when I go there... Although, when I last went to church, actually... I think um, this is going to sound like a humble brag, but it was a bit of an odd moment. Was the uh, the vicar? I think she clocked me from Mass Report, 
And then she, she kept dropping things in the sermon. I think she was trying to indicate to me that she was a Tory as well. So it's a very strange thing. That's a bit odd. Yeah, but she was saying, and she said, and there was the colour blue, which as we all know is the right colour. Sort of gave me a wink and a nod. Did she? Yeah. Well, that's just weird. Yeah, it, it was odd. It was odd. I never got name checked by the rabbi. <laughs> I never. Not no, even I, in the honeymoon the, Not even, no, that was just leave. You shouldn't be here. Yeah. Interesting enough, the... Uh, um, we had this, this rabbi was Leslie Hardman, right? That was his yeah. name, and he was the rabbi when I when I had my bar mitzvah. And then I was watching a a, a dramatization of of uh, the British Army going into the concentration camps at the end of the Second World War, mm. and he was the rabbi who was he was like the spiritual one of the spiritual yeah, advisors yeah. who was there at that time. And I thought, and it's weird, isn't it? Because you see this guy, this beardy guy, and you think, yeah. oh, Rabbi Hardman, I don't. Yeah. What do I know? He's just he's the rabbi. I don't know anything about him. Turns out he was part of quite a big cultural event, and obviously an enormous. Well, event if he just spoke about all that stuff, you'd have still gone. Right? Yes. <laughs> I, well, I certainly would have been. Do interested. some war stuff. Tell us that story again about Holocaust. Did you know, know Schindler? <laughs> um, but we, um, yeah. So I, yeah. I stopped going. I, but, but the only time I turn to it is on stage. I'll yeah. mention it. I'll talk about it because it's quite interesting at the moment. Yeah, to have that connection. It is. I mean, one of those things about the the, the Jewish community in Britain, I always think it's a surprise, is the sheer numbers. There's not that many. There's really. Loads of them. There's, oh, there's too many. Too many. It's gone too far. There's not many. There's about three hundred thousand Jews in Britain. Yeah, and it's it's one of those, in four so cities. I don't know why. Is it the, the cultural impact and whatever it is? It feels like more. And when Does I, it? Yeah. But in a good way. I mean, in, in not in a... No, no, no. <laughs> I'm on dodgy territory. I understand. I understand what you're saying. I'm letting you yeah. off the hook here. Oh, I went to a car boot in North London. It felt a lot more than that, mate. <laughs> I can Sunday. imagine. We're like a bargain, don't we? That's the point. <laughs> you <laughs> can say that. I can. I can. Um, Megan. Now, royal family. Obviously, there's this tension at the moment, Megan, in the royal family, that she... There's a lot of people that dislike her, right? But then there's this, this argument that she that that's that's to do with race and stuff. I, I, again, I find myself in the middle of these things. I think that there are. She is a bit annoying. I do, I do find like the, yeah. the 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 with the constant stance adoption of, of the couple. Um, maybe it's not the kind of royal that I would prefer. But then the problem with saying that is that people immediately think. Like even that phrase, not the kind of royal that I would prefer. Immediately people think skin tone. It's it's got nothing to do with that. She's. She, she's an aggravating person is to she? me. Yeah. Right. I, it passes me by. Yeah. It completely passes me by. So I, sometimes, I sometimes see these things saying Megan and... Yeah. What's her name? Kate. Mm. Kate have fallen out. Um, or Megan said something about kids. Yeah. What was it? Well, they, they're, um, they're not going to have a third kid to save the planet. That's a bit annoying, isn't it? Well, I mean, I mean the resource... Yeah. Haven't they got like private jets? Well, yeah. <laughs> I mean, this is the issue. I like, mean, obviously that you can you can um, point out hypocrisies. Yeah. But I think Wills and Harry seem to be the most positive uh, representation of royals yes. that we've ever had. You know, talk about mental health. Um, Wills is a genuine football fan, not a plastic fan, right? You I know, like the fact that's come second in your list. I thought it'd be like stuff about <laughs> landmines, kind of like wealth redistribution. Second, he likes football. He likes football. <laughs> Harry seems like a bit of a laugh. He, he does, genuinely well, does. Less so these days. Why? Well, Why I, so I wonder, days? right? I wonder. You know, so he, he, when you look at Harry and you look at Meghan, I mean, she's so beautiful. Yes. Right? She's a 9.5, right? 
Harry's not. So he's a prince, though. He Let's not forget and that he, he's, no, he's not prince. unattractive as well. He's got and a rakish charm about him. And he and he seems all right. He seems emotionally available to her. And this is not a surprise from someone who's Diana's son, right? Yes. So I, I sort of, I don't know. I, you know what the truth is? Yeah. I don't really give a shit. Yeah. I mean, I look at it and I and I see these stories and 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 God, one of the royals is on the front page of the Times almost every day, as yeah. far as I can tell. I don't really. It care. is. I mean, if you're into the royals, which I kind of am, but oh, not yeah. in a kind of tea towel way. Oh yeah. Yeah, I like. I like the royal family. Yeah, I like what it gives me. It's a source of intrigue and entertainment. <laughs> I think it's worth it. I think it's there's, really worth it. There's fiction that is a lot better than any of that. I mean, there's stuff. There's proper oh, stories. Yeah. As opposed to. Have you seen to... the crown? I mean, like we. I love the crown. Right. I love the crown. The crown is brilliant. So that's Absolutely because, brilliant. like, that, when that was happening, that is the equivalent of what's happening now. The queen was seen as, as uh, like Philip was seen as a maverick and a different kind of person. So I, I wonder sometimes. <laughs> I watch the dramatisation. If, if, in if 20 it, years I on. wonder if they're as relatively different as we think they are. Do you know what I mean? We, there, there is a problem at the moment where I think there's a certain presentism where we think. Where we call it woke, it used to be called right on, right? You call it environmental, it used to be Extinction Rebellion, it used to be Greenpeace. Yeah. A lot of these things we think are brand new. I'm not sure that they are, actually. Well, Fem- Extinction Rebellion, I mean, Gaia, the Gaia Principle, yeah. whatever it was, 40, 50 years ago. I remember getting this A5 book yeah. about the Gaia, James Lovelock, or whatever his name was. I remember getting this book about the Gaia Principle and thinking, wow, and I never yeah. really thought about that stuff. This is when I was maybe 19, 20. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, no, no, these things are knocking about. And I'm sure, I'm sure the royals, there's all sorts of intrigue and all the rest of yeah. it. But right now, it's pure supposition, isn't it? I mean, don't you look at royal correspondence and think, is this what you... Well, Nicholas Witchell, yes. when he started out as a journalist, did he really envisage himself standing outside Buckingham Palace guessing... Well, I met, I met Jenny Bond on the. Uh, she seems nice enough. She's really nice. But you know what was, was really cool about her? She was just like. She said, yeah, I wasn't like. You know, people think that I'm wildly into the Royals. It was just something I specialised in. I'm not. I'm quite ambivalent one way or the other. I just report stuff. I thought that was. It was a real surprise that she just wasn't that fussed about it. You know, she's. I find it weird when people are that fussed yeah, about it. Yeah, look, I wouldn't That's like. That's the point. I'm look, not saying you are, by the way. No. I'm just saying. I. I I don't know. It's a bit like, I guess people look at me or look at you and go, how can you be so into football or cricket yeah, or whatever? Yeah. It seems ridiculous. Just a game. just seems like a game to me, the Royal Family. I think really. that's what I like about it, I think. I think that I... I'd never, like, you know, I remember when, when Princess Diana died. You remember those queues of people that signed the book and stuff? I thought that was weird. Where were you when you were? I, I was heavily stoned and awake. Um, so obviously, it, when the news first broke, it was it was drip fed to us. Uh, as the, as the first, my first experience with state censorship, basically, because at first they said that Dodie's there, but Princess Diana, she's all right. Badly injured. Yeah, she's got a couple of uh, grazes. Yeah. And so me and my mate, we decided to stay up and like get really even more stoned and hold a vigil for Diana. <laughs> and um, and then we stayed up because we kind of we could sense that something had gone. Like, why are they still on the air if she's all right? Um, and then when they said she was dead, we were like, okay, man, I'll call her. And then, I was in Edinburgh. Yeah. Uh, there was it during the occurred during it was the, the last day yeah. of the festival. I was basically drunk in the in the uh, Gilded Balloon bar, yeah. and Mark Mayer, comedian yeah. friend of ours, came up to me and went, "Princess Diana's dead. Pass it on." And then walked off. I went, Jesus. "What?" And yeah. then we went back to the flat, and then we watched it on the telly. God, you think, think that now? That would be a WhatsApp group that happened on. That no, was nowhere near as much fun. <laughs> it was a strange time. I didn't yeah. do a gig for a week. I didn't what, do a gig for respect? a week out of respect. <laughs> 
Because I was sort of, re you know, these people that go on and tweet how awful she is and stuff, but I think I would never say that in public. But then when it sort of was turned on, well, if you don't like her, you're racist. It just seemed to be another one of those situations where the word racist gets, gets bandied about. And I think, well, I think, you know, you could find her an aggravating person without it being anything to do with race. Or Nothing like, to do with her, her being um, mixed race. I mean, you know, it when isn't Danny... for me. I don't deny that there are certain columnists where I do wonder the way that they, they phrase it, but I just mean on a personal level. What do you think without when Danny Baker, when what happened with Danny Baker? <laughs> it was a ridiculous thing to tweet, but I don't think there's, I don't think there was, was any so, racism involved. It was so ridiculous that you, he almost excused himself because everyone's going, no one is that. Stupid that you would think about the connotations of that. You know what the truth is for me is I don't I don't even think of her as mixed race. No. I don't it doesn't even occur to me. So when I saw yeah. that, my first thing was he always does um uh, little chimps or monkeys with yeah. posh people. I've seen him do it before. So I didn't think about it, that, but I mean, understand. Yeah, of course. Of then course. then there was this backlash and I went, Oh yeah, yeah, that's right, she's back. But it didn't Occur to me, but do you know what I think that means, and I think it's the same reaction I've had to a few things. Well, I think you've almost got to be a bit racist <laughs> to, to think, think it. Yeah, well, that's what it's, Danny it's Baker's the last thing from my mind. That's is, what is Danny Baker's defence was. Yeah, that I, my mind. The reason that I didn't think about it is because my mind's not poisoned or sick or whatever yeah, the word yeah. he used. I mean, haven't done it. Like you know, it's, it's a fair cop, and he, and he had to, to um, sort of step back but I do think well he didn't step back he was sacked he was sacked the BBC yeah. jumped on it instantly and I understand yeah. why yeah. right but it would be nice if we could take a moment just to go well hang, hang on yeah she put it in review for. I mean one, one thing that I would say that I find a double standard fine if, if somebody does something like you know like that and it's just you know a kind of one strike policy fine I do you find it really weird that someone like Anne McPartland can drink drive uh, and essentially put other lives at risk. And six uh, months, he's back. Six months, he's back in all of his jobs. Got all of his jobs back. Yeah. Now, I, you know, if you are black or Asian person, I wonder what would you rather have? He's like endure a, 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 a tweet with racial overtones, or Ant McPartland mounting a curb coming towards you. I think it's pretty straightforward that. That that's a more yeah, but it's not a zero sum game. It doesn't have to be one or the other, and they have endured no, only... hundreds of years yeah. of that sort of nonsense from all sorts of people. And whatever Danny Baker's yeah. motives, it was idiotic to not see the connotation. We would have seen the connotations, and Danny's meant to be yes. an experienced. Broadcast. I think what happened process was if that was done with someone like me, is you'd think of that, and then your second filter would kick in. Yeah. So the pure oh, part of oh, you, that, oh, that doesn't, oh, yeah, I yeah. can't do that. Yeah, I'm not sure I would ever. <laughs> Still on the day, and I suppose what like what was so awful about it was that it was their big day as well. Like you know what I mean? What like day was it? where they had a kid. Oh, that's what. Do it you know was what I mean? Like it's, it's really sort of pissed <laughs> on it from a, a, a great. And line. it is the BBC. He is a BBC broadcaster, yeah. and they have to be seen. I do. I do feel. I suppose it's maybe a pet peeve of mine is that is that the drink driving offences by celebrities. I think that there's an imbalance to when someone says something either outwardly blatantly racist or racially insensitive. I want to, like, when you do something that could essentially endanger a life, I wonder, you know, I'm happy for them both to face similar consequences. Yeah, but then, let's be fair, there's been, there's been a couple, certainly one race-hate attack in America mm. uh, in the last couple of days, and, and people are saying that part of the problem is Donald Trump's language and the language yeah. of the far right. So it's possible it does endanger lives, yes. stuff like that. So, therefore, you can't... 
it's hard to compare the two yeah. because it's not like Ant McPartland was aiming for black people when he was drunk. Yeah. Or maybe he was just trying to get around. Maybe that's the key thing is, what was he saying as he did it? <laughs> well, yes, that's right. If he was yeah. mouthing racial obscenities... Then you're out. It, yeah. Yes, then you're out. But there's, unfortunately, we didn't have a, uh, a microphone in the car, so we don't want that. You would know. never have understood that he was a Geordie and he was pissed. <laughs> so... There was a thing, speaking of... That's the, racist. <laughs> that is. It's all right, regionalism. It's the, it's the okay racism. Is it? You know, I think that regionalism... Well, I think... I, <laughs> I've not, when I go up north, I'm increasingly rude about northerners in the places oh, that I am. It's, it's they tremendous love it. They, yeah. they don't mind at all. I had a guy the it's other day... It's respect. I had a guy the other day in Manchester yeah. Comedy Store, and he said... Because um, I, I asked this question, do you know what we had in the 70s we don't have now? And this guy went, Ricketts. Yeah. Right? And I said, oh, we didn't have that in the South, right? Uh, now, they nice. love, yeah. they love, yeah. but they were a bit... But 10 yeah. years ago, they'd have booed No, me it's changed. If I'd have said that. Change. It's changed because, because in the end, I think they're less parochial. Yeah. And we all, in the end, if I'm talking about, if we're talking about politics, we're all in this together. This, this shit show, we all have to own this. It is not just about whether you vote Brexit or yeah, I voted yeah. Remain. All of us... And our lack of, of grown-up adult debate about immigration, yes, about yeah, yeah, race, yeah. this is where we are. It's all of our fault. I think it's really interesting you say that, because I've been thinking that recently. Is there's this strange phenomenon of people who somehow imagine that despite all this complex politics in the last five years, really, going back to the indie ref, yeah. that they, their view has somehow held the line. Like, that the, I think it's impossible by this point that you, can't, that you wouldn't have been guilty of rank hypocrisy over Brexit or your politics. I don't think... Because it's been such a complicated period of time, yeah. And and there's instead of having like one axis where there was a line between left and right, there's now about five or six. So, but but this this weird period that we're living through, where the, the public are sort of obliged because of their social media presence to be ideologues, I think that's really strange. I mean, well, I think that that's what coming back to what you were saying about when I do stand up, mm. I I don't think I've ever been ideological. Yeah. I mean, I genuinely haven't. I didn't I didn't grow up with any politics at home. Yeah. None whatsoever. So I, I've never really thought about that stuff in an ideological way. I just try and come to a conclusion based on the evidence and what I think feels right. And most of the time, it's come down on the side of, on the left yeah. of politics because I'm a you know decent human. Of course, but yeah. We, look, <laughs> well, we're chatting for how long chat for, and then it's coming. They can't stop themselves, can they? The lefties. <laughs> So we've got the letters section now. It's a bit I like doing at the end, which is just people have sent me. Uh, you you right for time? Yes. Yeah, yeah. I'm absolutely fine. Cool. Uh, they just just the listeners. They send me some really random stuff. It can be quite serious things about their personal life, stuff about politics. So we just chew it over. Uh, this one's quite a straightforward uh, binary question to begin with. Two years of Boris or five of Corbyn? This is Ali from Crawley. Um. I don't accept the premise of the question. Oh. Do I? Sorry, I'm yeah. not making a choice. I'm really, I cannot make that who choice. Who do you think could do more, all right, put it another way, who do you think could do more damage in a short period in charge? <laughs> what a new answer to the question. I don't know. Yeah. I, have, I think they could both do tremendous amounts of damage yeah. in a short period in charge. Who could do more? I, mean, this is I, I think it's impossible to answer the, the question. The thing about Corbyn, I suppose, is that, is that Boris, I've said this for a while, I might be, be wrong, but is that, is that he ultimately wants to be liked 
more broadly, I think, in the long run. Whereas Corbyn has always been happy to be liked by a much smaller section of people. And I think that there's a, there's a slightly vengeful attitude towards wealth that Corbyn has that makes me... So when I weigh up Boris plus no deal versus Corbyn... And there's, there's no doubt that we're only getting a, a flavour of the policies that Corbyn and McDonald would really like to implement. Yeah. So I would probably veer to... And I'm not a no-dealer, and, and I didn't vote for Boris in the, in the election, but I, I'd probably veer towards Boris and no-deal. I think in the longer run, the sh you know... Because at this point in time, globally, having investment and wealth creators has never been more important than it is. And I just wonder with Corbyn... It's such a... I, I mean, there's that. There's, I, I think there's a, an issue with that. I think, by the way, with Corbyn, there's also an issue with, an issue with intelligence sharing. I don't see Corbyn and Trump as natural bedfellows, and I no. think there could be serious issues when it comes to that. On the other hand, Boris is the biggest bullshitter any of us have ever seen yeah. in our lives. He is, he is, well, Alan Johnson said it, is what would happen if you sent Donald Trump to Eton, right? Is you end up <laughs> with, uh, with Boris Johnson. Yeah. Um, I wish it wasn't the choice that we have. I don't think it will be the choice in the next election. I'd be amazed if Labour run with uh, Corbyn for the next but election. The, but the membership part, I suppose it's just yet to... Sakir Starmer. You, he's one of those guys you always have to say the sir. I don't know, is he a real sir or is it like Les I Ferdinand? I believe he is. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, Tim Fitzheim, uh, yeah. which is very niche, right? Yes, very, yeah, yeah, like, comedian. Who, Sir Tim, you know. He, I, I always think that Sakir Starmer... He looks like a like a, he should manage Charlton. I don't know why. Until he starts speaking, he's got that look of a recently retired, <laughs> late nineties pro. Yeah. Oh, I, I, I look. It's a very difficult question to answer. Yeah. Uh, I think they'll both do massive harm to our country. So Joe Swinson. There you sorry, go. sorry to not answer the question. No, no, that is an answer. Joe, Sw I, Joe Swinson. I think I've got this hunch that Caroline Lucas. Ninety percent. What? Yeah. What to lead the country? Why not? Why not? How much harm could she do? I mean, well, seriously, how much harm could she do? And by the way, whatever economic damage she yeah. might do, because people go, how could you, 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 yeah, you yeah. have no, uh, well, you have no experience, but at least we'll be a greener country. That might be in the long term, yeah. might be the best thing for us. A, 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 time, a time of an increasingly aggressive Russia, I'm not sure a, a kind of anti-defence party, I, I, don't, I don't see... I don't know what their defence policy is. By the way, if we're talking about what a defence yeah. I don't know any of Boris's policies. Yeah. Boris's policies, as far as I can see, are about self-aggrandizement. Yeah, no, Boris. I think it'll be a string of populist things. He'll do enough to try and stay somewhere in the polls that will give him a chance of winning a general he election if it happens. Be in but I think that, that is, that's been the history of politics, apart from like the austerity period, which was almost an ideological... It was a, quite rare, you know, the, the back end of the last Labour administration was just about firefighting, wasn't it? deal with the problem when it comes up do well, something we had a massive global recession yeah yeah but i think it started a little bit before that and then i think if you take out brexit with theresa may as well there was you know it was almost like a, a social democratic party in, in terms of the way that they were approaching problems and funding so i think that i think boris will there'll be more of the same but with an extra bit of populism yeah a plus appeasing the hard right the erg and all the rest of it which i don't approve of because yes. i think those people are crazy and I actually interviewed Peter yeah. Bone, right? Yeah. I interviewed Peter Bone and I asked him about Boris and he said, well, it'll be fun, won't it? And I thought, that attitude, that is going to well, sit us down the swanny. I, I, don't, I believe. I think that there's an honesty... I think that politics has become a form of entertainment. It's, it's the closest thing I can think of it is like WWE wrestling at the moment. It's like the people that do work, clear identities, 
there it, it, the way that people watch question time now it's not real it's like Jeff, football yeah. it's not real WWE wrestling yeah. it's not real this is real no but it's being orchestrated that's what I mean is that there's a similar kind of puppet string to, so all, all of these politicians I suppose it's always been the case isn't it like with Sir Bernard Ingham that there are you know whether it was Steve Bannon in the early stage with Trump no, whether it's Seamus Milne Seamus Milne also awful yeah. Yeah. by the way I don't I don't like these people at all. Yeah. I don't. I don't want either Boris or to answer your question. What was her name? Sorry. Uh, Joe Swinson. Joe. <laughs> no. To yeah, answer the person. Ali. I don't Ali. know if it's a he. Ali. Yeah. Uh, sorry, Ali. I don't want either of them. To be, I do not want either of them, and I will vote against both of them. Okay. Green pie. Jesus. No, I, I didn't say green pie. That. I just said I'd vote against both of them. So Ian Stone votes for drinking own piss. Um, <laughs> This is from um, Anon. I get quite a lot of tortured liberals. I, I think I, they're all tortured at the moment. But this guy, um, <laughs> I'm, I'm a right-on type, but my son has started hanging out with traveller types. In, immediately, the use of the word type is very different second time round. Yes. <laughs> yes. Traveller types. Um, they've asked him for dinner at their mobile home. Just home would do. Uh, if I'm honest, I don't want him to go. That's awful, isn't it? But I really don't want him to go. And surprise, surprise, that's from Anonymous. Is this a question? Yeah, it's just one that somebody has... Uh, no, but know. I'm saying, is there a question in that? Uh, it's, what well, are I suppose, we thinking? Well, 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 maybe he's thinking that of all people, I'm going to say, oh, don't worry about it, you just do it. I don't know. Maybe he thinks that, or he or she thinks... So, I grew up, with the council estate I grew up in, there was a... There were... Uh, it's not... They're not travelling because they're settled. You know, these were semi-permanent homes and stuff. And I did... <laughs> I did used to get the kick, shit kicked out of me regularly. I mean, this was the mid '80s and stuff. There was one lad called Tucker. Fucking hated me. Like, right. He just used to find me. He was a traveller, although yeah. he was stationary at the time. I think it's what Gorja. Is that a word? Like, I don't yeah. know if that's a colloquial, but be travellers who have settled. Right. So, but the problem is, he's like, if it's not that they're traveller, you just have to add some detail about what's the kid like. Have you met the that surely? What are the people like? Yeah. I mean. Surely, hanging out with people who could be incredibly hospitable. Yeah. Trans transfer travellers for Jews yeah. in that, or Muslims. And that doesn't sound like such a nice question, does it? No, well, no, it, it's not. And I suppose what the person is doing, they're trying to own this in a way. Or maybe they're just trying to get us discussing this. I don't know. But there was, there was in Love Island, there was that Tommy Fury guy that did well in it. He, he was from a traveller background, yeah. wasn't he, and stuff. But they, they, I didn't watch it. There, but, yeah. there is some talk that that is one of the last vestiges of one of the last... I mean, we've moved on from the language people use to describe tra travellers. For most of my life, people would just say pikey. But Pikeys now, or jippos. And, and a lot of people would still use those words, but yes. they've moved on to traveller. But it is... It is I, I suppose what maybe one of the issues of, in terms of people that are, are genuinely always on the move is it's never going to not annoy people that some people don't have to pay council tax. <laughs> I mean, that... There that, is that. that. You're not going to get away from there that. There is that. Yeah. It's also... Is also sometimes traveller communities turn up, uh, uh, stay around for a bit, and then leave an enormous amount of mess yeah. that the council has to clear up, and that annoys people. It annoys me as well when yeah. that happens. Um, but yeah, it is seen as one of possibly the last acceptable form of racism. And Geordies, as we discussed earlier. Geordies, <laughs> of course. Scousers, yeah. of course. Well, I mean, I suppose this parent is, is just trying to be as honest as possible that there is, that there is perhaps a more, more a different kind of culture there I don't know you're worried about the uh, aggression I mean I don't know if it's true now but certainly when I grew up those 
they, those lads that live near us are pretty punchy. I, do you know what? If they've yeah. invited him round yeah. for, for a bite to eat, it yeah. sounds pretty benign. Yeah. If he comes back and he's and he's wearing like a waistcoat with no T-shirt or something and, <laughs> and he's playing a guitar or he's yeah. got, I don't know, big voluminous trousers or yeah. something on. Because <laughs> that's right. what they do, yes. the trousers. If, if, if he really, if he looks like a proper old crusty yeah. like they used to go to Glastonbury in the 80s, right? Yeah, yeah. We were talking about this. The people who used to... Uh, they looked unbelievably thin and they turn up with four kids in a car and a couple of dogs. Yeah. And that would be Glastonbury. If he, look, if he comes back home looking like that, then maybe they've got to him. But yeah. it might be that he just comes back home going, that was nice, that dinner. Did, might be all right. The That's other the thing is here, and it might be, and, and if you are a tortured middle-class parent, is that this could be a good thing to boast about with your other parents. Like, you know, when you're doing your kind of cultural... Oh, well, my son's, got fr- my son's friends with travellers. Yeah. That yeah. sort of thing. Yeah, these yeah. people have earrings and everything. Elias, the other day, he just went and I just said it was I didn't mind at all, and, and it, was, it was really, you know, and and we had the child. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, like, we wouldn't have them over here. Yeah, well, it could be like a British version of the film Get Out. What most people? And, and finally, Esther. Who 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 would win in a fight between John McDonnell and Michael Hesseltine? I think we need some calibration on this because Hesseltine is a bit older, isn't he? Considerably, a maybe fit, 15. young Hesseltine. Hesseltine in his pomp. I mean, he's killed fucking Alsatians, isn't he? What? You know, I heard the story. Like, he killed he, an Alsatian? Yeah, yeah, I think that there was some sort of attack and there was a situation where he had to take one out. <laughs> he didn't have a gun, he just uh, <laughs> broke his neck. Apparently, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, he, but you've, John McDonald looks like a bruiser as well. I mean, what? he really does. Yes. I mean, there's not many people in the Labour Party I wouldn't fight. Yeah. Right. I reckon I could have Seamus Mill, Corbyn. Oh, Corbyn, you could definitely. There's Corbyn. no doubt. You know, Emily Thornbury, I reckon I can have. I think she, I would, I would, she would actually put up a fight. Yeah, I'd rather fight Corbyn than, <laughs> than Emily Thornbury. I'd rather fight Corbyn than Thornbury or Abbott. Or <laughs> but John McDonnell is a bruiser. Yeah. Um, he looks like he's always on the verge of throwing a right hand. He does. Whereas, whereas Hesseltine. <sighs> Difficult question. Difficult yeah. question. If you're you asking some me, of that posh boy wrestling stuff, like it'd get you in a lock or something. That, that's a possibility, but I reckon McDonald will fight quite dirty. Well, McDonald looks to me like you know when you see like, and you'll have seen this at football where crowd trouble is brewing. Yeah. Who the first guy? Do you know what I mean? The first nasty fucker that just bowls down there with a hood up and then just uppercut someone for very short range. McDonald could be that bloke. McDonald absolutely. I'm, be having, that I'm bloke. having McDonald in this. I I would say I would love to see it. It's the, <laughs> it's the main thing. I think you've actually come up with a brilliant, a brilliant thing. You could go. This this needs to be a thing. Past, I think that's past a and present. Yeah. You know that childish thing when he was at school. Like, could you have so and so in a fight? That was always it was a big part of your youth growing up. You yeah, talk about the faces in school. And I, I I think that given the politics is now, we know who more people are. I mean, first up, Matt Hancock. You know, everybody could be up. Right? I would have thought so. Shall I tell you who looks well, he hard? Might have that secret rage of the nice guy. No, no, he's just, he looks like he'd just been whimpering in a corner, yeah, hiding yeah. under a table. I'll tell you who I reckon would be Andy, he's John Major. John Major, well, he's a unit, yeah. No, but more than that, he's got that inner steel that you wouldn't. Yeah. I don't know, there's something about him that thinks, don't wind him up. Well, that, that, I might have mentioned this on the podcast before, but his height and, and frame is underestimated more broadly. He's over six foot tall. He's over six, I think he's six foot one, and, and he's a broad man. Like He's like a fucking walking wardrobe. 
Um, not a walk-in wardrobe, a walking... No, no, I see that. Do you know, by the way, this whole Brexit... Uh, this, the Labour Party and, and, and Corbyn may well have been started. Wasn't there that Scottish MP who, who had a fight in the bar and yeah. got... Do you know about this? No, no. Scottish, I can't think of his name. He had a fight in the Commons bar. He was deselected. Yeah. Um, there was There was a... In the constituency, I think in Scotland, there was a move to get a very left-wing candidate in. So Ed Miliband went, we've got to open this to the membership so yeah. that everyone has a go. And then what happened was 60,000 people on the left yeah. piled in, joined the Labour Party, and suddenly we got Corbyn. So it's because of fighting MPs that yes. we are, that the Labour Party is in the position it's in. That would be... I'd like, I'd like 10 great scraps. I might pitch that. <laughs> ten, 10 great scraps over here. Number 10. Now, you might not have heard of these two, but it went off in a big way in the Cromwell. <laughs> I quite house. like it. I quite yeah. like the idea. Really. Okay, well, we might have come up with a new item here, but listen, mate, it's been great to chat. Uh, Ian, you know, thanks very much for coming on you the show. Get my name for a minute. Well, well, I didn't know, I was going to call you Ian Stone, then that felt weird. <laughs> so that, that was, that was uh, the pause, but um, but yeah, I, I, we will see each other quite regularly, so this is a, a massive sign off. But uh, but yeah, if you don't follow Ian uh, on Twitter, it's uh, Ian. Ian D. Stone. Ian D. Stone. Come and, and say hello. And come and say hello. And also, can I talk about the book? Well, so I'm, you've also got. You've got this book uh, about... Well, I'm having to wait until June 2020 for it to come out, but it is basically done, and it's, uh, it's a book about... Uh, it's called To Be Someone. It's um, part social history, part autobiography, and part love letter to Paul Weller and the Jam, yeah. who I grew up with from in 1976 or 77 when I first heard them, yeah. uh, through to 82 when they broke up. And it's essentially... The idea is that Paul Weller helped me to be someone. Yeah. He was like a, like a six, seven years older than me, big brother, uh, and um, he showed me what's what. See, I feel that way about Bono, but it doesn't get the same reaction off people. Bono's a more divisive but, figure. They say, well, yeah, I think, like, there's no doubt, like, Paul Weller, I, I like a lot of twats, is, is the, you know, is the bottom line. <laughs> I like a lot of people and things that are disliked, but Paul Weller is, in what sense... Is it, is it kind of like culture in terms of dressing and stuff like that? No, or is it the whole package? The clothes was one thing, yeah. but really it was the attitude. You know what? It was the... Uh, when, he, when Paul Weller used to sing This Is The Modern World, yeah. and he used to say, I don't give two fucks about your review, right? Yeah. Is what he used to say. And I remember, uh, as a, what, 14 I was, maybe 15, yeah. hearing that, being this kid who gave every fuck about yeah. every, whatever, whatever anybody thought about me yeah. and hearing a guy who wasn't much older than me genuinely seeming to not care yeah. the teachers who said I'd be nothing when I used to yeah. and he used to spit it out yeah. and I used to think and I was at school at the time thinking wow he's, what, what self-possession what confidence yeah. I wish I could have a bit of that and I think a lot of us latched onto that so that's why he became such a, such a culturally important figure uh, for I mean, me and thousands of other kids like me. But as now a very experienced comic, with him saying, I don't give a fuck about your review, you sort of thinking, well, you sort of do, otherwise you wouldn't have bought it up. You know? No, 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 I know. But what do you believe? Do you buy into that, that that's a real thing for him? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah I think he felt that at the time, and I think yeah. he still feels that. Yeah. Um, but it certainly was a big thing for me at the time, hearing that. Yeah. And I'm more self-confident now than I was when I was... 15 yeah. so there is a little bit of that so when you walk on stage as, a, as an experienced comic if they don't laugh i now go what why do you what's, i know this stuff's funny right yeah, yeah. that is a weller attitude 
I don't care whether you like I, I call it passionate indifference right yeah, yeah. I care deeply about what I do and I don't give a shit what you think of it yeah. I know this is funny and you should laugh and you're going to enjoy it and I think Weller had a little bit of that in his songs yeah. so I um, I decided to write about that uh, period and uh, it's coming out just reminds me it's coming, it's coming out. out June 2020 Phil Jupiter's bless him has done illustrations for the book Great. Uh, little cartoons which will be in the book and um, uh, Paul's read it Paul Great. read it mate of ours mutual friend of ours uh, got the book to Paul Weller and uh, he phoned me up yeah. he phoned me up and it was oh. one of the weirder moments in my life he goes here is Paul Weller yeah. And uh, what I wanted to say was, I know. Because yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'd recognise your voice anyway. I went, oh, hi, Paul, how are you? Yeah. And he went, I loved your book. I'd forgotten how shit it was in the 70s. And I went, can I use that as a quote on the front cover? And he said, yes. Great. So that's nice. It's a nice thing. And so I've is since, it open up for pre-orders? Or? Uh, you, well, you can, at the moment, you can pledge. You yeah. go to the Unbound website, yeah. www.unbound.com and put in to be someone and you can pledge money and then you get it you get your name in the book yeah uh, and you obviously get a copy when it comes out in uh, 2020 so uh, yeah quite excited cool well listen yeah do check that out it's gonna be I'm looking forward to reading it myself and thank you very much for coming on what most people think thanks Jack okay so that is the end of the show um, I really enjoyed that chat with Ian man just an interesting bloke he's uh, lived a a varied life, just a brilliant, brilliant comedian. If you ever get a chance to check him out, uh, do so uh, with his book. Make sure you're on that because this is going to be... I think it's going to be more than just a book about Paul Weller. I think it's going to be a real... For anyone who lived through that period of time in particular, it's going to be well worth checking out. So just before we go, as ever, um, I always read out a couple of five-star ratings from iTunes. Uh, this one, I'm going to make an exception. This is a four-star, but it kind of made me laugh and I can't explain why. This is from N.D. Brown, who says... This is the bed best, I don't know why accent to do for this, I'll just read it in a slightly sarky voice, because once I've read it, you'll realise why. This is the bed, this is the best podcast ever. I think it is amazing. I can't think of any flaw. Recommend for everyone. An audible slap around your face. Can't say anything negative about it. Four stars. Fuck you. That's quite funny. Yeah, why don't you start a podcast? Why don't you take that skill for sarcasm? Why don't you start a podcast? Mr. N.D., Mrs. N.D. Brown, prick. And then this one, uh, the title of this one is from a blues guitarist, and it's a five-star review. It says, brilliant, despite being a southerner. Being a Yorkshireman, I fucking love Yorkshire. Being a Yorkshireman, I'm used to everything comedic or political that comes out of London being patronising garbage, dictating to the rest of the country how to think. Jeff Norcott, despite sounding like a Dickensian chimney sweep who just drunk 15 pints of Stella after a bit of a set to with wife, <laughs> is the, uh, that's funny, is uh, the rare exception who actually says what the vast majority of normal people think. He's got my vote for PM. Bring the pain, Jeff. That was slightly weird for Yorkshireman there. It sounded kind of, uh, sounded kind of hip hop. Anyway, um, listen, thank you for listening to this. If you haven't, uh, subscribe rate, recommend this show. Uh, there'll be another one, and I think the next one will be at the Edinburgh Fringe. I'm gonna try and bump into a couple of comics up there and bring you somebody interesting. But in the meantime, keep it Brexit. What most people think.